0: Take two of division clinching Vikings football is upon us as we welcome you inside the TCO Performance Center for the Friday edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. I go by Gabe Henderson. As always, I'm joined by Tatum Everett and producer Eric Davison from the Vikings Entertainment Network. And um, helping us break down the uh, run it back edition, I'm going to call it, of the Minnesota Vikings podcast is a friend of the show, our guy Mr. Ron Johnson from Vikings Game Day Live, as well as the Ron Johnson Show uh, that airs daily on all streaming platforms. And the Vikings boom on Saturday is set for noon at U.S. Bank Stadium versus the 4 8 and one Indianapolis coach. You can start your game day right here by tuning in to the Vikings radio network at 10 a.m. for the Vikings pregame show with Mike Musman, voice of the Vikings, Paul Allen, Pete Bursich, and so much more. All right, Ron, the goal last week um, was to clinch the division against your hometown team, the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. This past Sunday, that didn't work out. Now we get a chance to try this thing all over again tomorrow versus your former team and a guy that you used to coach in Jeff Saturday. Where does the reasons for optimism begin?
1: Uh, The reason for optimism, I'd say one, it's just a coach team that, I mean, I'd say they mailed the season in already, but... This was a, a test, truly, to see if it was the voice of Frank Wright that wasn't really getting the guys getting, you know, to the spots they need to get to. Can Jeff Saturday turn this around uh, with what he knew? He was already on the staff as an executive assistant, so that's what people don't know is he was well versed in the offense, well versed in what was going on within the building. Uh, played for Frank Wright as well. You know, when Frank Wright was a quarterbacks coach, he was the center. So I, I just think it was more of a test, less of a rock the boat. You know, when you look at the staff that Frank Wright had put together, Reggie Wayne, Cato June, some of these younger guys, Robert Mathis, uh, all former players, I don't think they felt like they had a guy in there that could really just take over and become interim head coach. So the Jeff Saturday move was less about – change and more about let's just keep it what it is. But when I say optimism, I'd say that's that. Like You're, you're coaching against a guy, Jeff Saturday, who's never really been a head coach. Uh, neither has Kevin O'Connell, but Kevin O'Connell's been offensive coordinator. He's won a Super Bowl. So Hopefully, there's something there where if you can get the coach down early, they don't have the fight to fight back. I think the Vikings continue to show they do. Um, that Lions game, if Justin Jefferson's touchdown is a touchdown, you have three-plus minutes on the clock, I think they probably have a chance to come back and score again and get to stop and force a punt versus them going forward on four from whatever because it's a short field. That's the uh, optimism I see is that the coaching should take hold here uh, when you look at that team.
2: I mean, Jeff did get an extra week, though, to get these guys ready for yeah. this game. Do you think that the bye week will have any effect on how this Colts team comes out?
1: Uh, yeah, I, w- I will say this. The coach coaches, uh, when I was there, uh, Tony Dungy wasn't about staying late and all that stuff. Jeff Saturday, I know a couple coaches. I have one coming on my show today uh, in Cato June, and, and from what he's saying, they're scheduling. I mean, they've been in meetings till 10 p.m., uh, so they definitely are taking this serious. They definitely are trying to get the ship going in the right direction towards the end of the season because their jobs are on the line as well, like whoever comes in to take over. Because I don't think Jeff Saturday is a long-term solution, but who knows – they know they're coaching for their livelihoods as well, uh, and Reggie Wayne and Cato June and all these other guys, and also maybe a chance to coach somewhere else, uh, just continue to learn and grow. So yes, they are definitely taking this serious. I think that extra week should help uh, a team like that too. When you look at what Dan Campbell did with the the offensive lineman trying to come up, you know, I think that gives an offense on the coach side to say, hey, like let's let's think about some trick plays. Like we don't need to just stay vanilla. If we lose this game, everybody expects us to lose. But if we can do some things to uh, confuse the defense, uh, they understand understand Ed Donatel's defensive guys as he would put it are not in the right position sometimes they're not executing the way it was called that just gives an offense even more fuel to say you know what well let's make sure they're even more confused with maybe motions and shifts and changes and and things they're not used to so yeah I think that extra week does help but not so much for the coaches too but the players players get to rest uh so they're going to come in uh healthier I mean, you get an extra week to rest, and and now you have to travel. But, you know, your body, and Gabe knows this as a player, that three-day turnaround, yeah, you're ready to go by Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it still hurts. Yeah. Um, that extra week is like, man, it's like a vacation for those guys to sit around not have to hit. Uh, Jeff Saturday has a veteran mentality with players, so I'm pretty sure they didn't do any hitting um, for that first week and maybe a little bit of butt up this week. But this late in the season, there's no more take to the ground. There's no more of that. So – I think his
0: goal is let's get to Saturday healthy. I, I'm just looking at this 2010 uh, Indianapolis Colts team, uh, mm-hmm. Ron, that you coach for, and um, I'm just looking at you know just some of the short weeks that you guys had. Uh, December 5th, you played the Broncos, lost. Then you had a, a short week, then beat the Tennessee Titans on the road. W- what are some pros to having a short week after you lost, outside of just saying let's get this bad taste out of our mouth? Yeah, well, I was gone by I want to say September ish, October,
1: um, just because my the, the deal i had signed with them there was a whole long story, and I'm. I'm not going to dry snitch on what was going on within the organization. But uh, there was too many coaches, let's just say that. And uh, the NFL had been told one thing, and then things had to change. Jim Irsay was like, ah, I think we got too many coaches now. Yeah, but playing on short weeks and coaching on short weeks, so just to answer that question, when you look at the short week stuff, uh, if you lose, it's great to have a short week because your mind does not have to stay on that loss for more than a couple days. Um, From an injury standpoint, if there's a key guy like Peyton had the ankle, um, if there's a key guy, sometimes that's a little tougher because you you look forward to that three days of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off because usually you're Top guy, if he's hurt, doesn't play Wednesday. Ray Lewis, we had that too with the Ravens with his shoulder. So Ray wouldn't even practice on Thursdays. He would take Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off. He'd practice Friday, full speed run, get lathered up, uh, walk through Saturday, but a little bit of a jog. You know, again, get the blood flowing, get on the plane, a lot of stem on Saturday, and then play Sunday. When it's a short week... You gotta, you gotta figure out how do I get through this. And honestly, some players wouldn't even practice; they would be just, you know, standing on the side, getting all the mental reps, uh, getting in the film room, but trying to get to that next Thursday night game or Friday night game. Um, so there's good and bad to it. The bad of it is you don't get to heal up. The good of it is if you lost the week before mentally, you're done. And then honestly, too, like people are like, "Well, if it's just a loss," no, if you won, now you can re-replicate that. Again, like, oh, man, we just won. Let's turn around on Thursday and let's just same game plan. Like, let's not even change. Like, maybe there's little things here and there we need to change uh, defensively because of the guy we're facing. But offensively, it was like, look, if these first 15 plays killed them, these first 15 plays will kill anybody. Let's stick with this first 15. Um, there's something about the second 15 in the second half of the Vikings,
0: but we'll talk about that a little bit later. All right, so uh, moving on to our one big talking point. It's been a while since we we brought this back, but one big talking point heading to Saturday, Tatum. Uh, we'll start with you. What's something that you you're focused on or looking at that could may or may not make a difference on Saturday?
2: Yeah, for me, it's the what's got to give. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of these stats are are gonna can play or or not stats, but just like the way that the Colts defense is built can really play into this offense's hand. This run game is something that I think uh, is of utmost importance this week. The Vikings haven't rushed for more than 75 yards in three of the last four games. Mm -hmm. I think establishing the run game against this run defense in particular will be advantageous. The Colts' defense has allowed 141, 172, and 220 yards on the last Three games. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be key in this one, especially because it's a tough passing defense. Right.
0: Yeah. Almost 415 rushing yards allowed in the past three games. Like that would make you lick your chops if you're the Viking offense and say, okay, well, we should be able to run the ball. Well, we said that last week against this Detroit Lions team. So I think it's a matter of a mindset. Yeah we're going to run the ball and you're not going to stop it.
2: I feel like they've tried. I feel like that's been the mindset and that may have kind of hurt them a little bit against the Lions. But uh, another thing is that Derrissaw, Christian Derrissaw, will be hopefully able to return on Sunday. And I think that could also be big for the run game.
1: Yeah, when you think about the run game uh, for the Vikings and, and you know, the, the offense part, you know, just to your point, I think the key for the offense is when you look at the Vikings' offense in the third quarter. So I talked about that. (laughs) The Vikings' (laughs) offense in the third quarter is extremely anemic. Um, I don't know if they need iron pills. I don't know if they need the Iron Maiden. Yeah. I don't know if they need to blow the Gallarhorn to start the third quarter. I don't know what it is. and Maybe that could be it. Maybe somebody <laughs> go blow the Gallarhorn. Like you have a first the game starting there Gallarhorn and That's then an you idea. have the, the second half Gallarhorn blower. Um, we'll pass it on. Yeah, please pass that on. <laughs> uh, but when you think about this, 222 plays in the third quarter. That's 29th in the NFL. So that means they're not getting third downs. They're not getting more plays. Uh, 8.7 yards to go in the third quarter. That means they are behind the sticks a lot. That's 32nd. 3.3 yards gained per play, not per drive, per every single play in the third quarter. They're only gaining about three yards. That's 31st. There's only one other team that's worse than them. And 18.9% of first downs or touchdowns in the third quarter, that's 29th. Um, the turnovers, too. 2.7% of their plays in the third quarter are turnovers. Wow. That's, that's crazy. 31st. There's only one other team worse than them. And so when you look at that stuff, it's like – because Kevin O'Connell says that, well, man, I'm really good at my first 15 plays. I don't know what's going on in the third quarter. Script the third quarter. Like literally go to third quarter, script those 15 plays out. There's nothing wrong with that. Like a lot of coordinators feel like, oh, I need to call by feel. What's the first quarter, first half looks like? And Gabe, you know this. You go into the locker room at halftime, you sit down in front of the board. I don't know now if they have tablets in there, but you sit down in front of the whiteboard. I was old school. We had a whiteboard. Our coach would say, All right, offense over here, and then he'd drop some crap, and we're here to do this, because they're doing this and they're bringing the safety down to the box. When they bring the safety down to the box, I need you to know you're going to take the high route and blah blah just script them out just say hey look i know my script is better than anybody in the nfl when kevin o'connell can script that first seven minutes eight minutes he is the top five offensive coordinator in the nfl so i would say that and and, and vice versa the coaches are only giving up 22 percent of first down to touchdown in the third quarter defensively so that doesn't vote well their defense is actually pretty good in third quarter and the vikings offense is not good the run game though you brought up Here's the problem. If you don't have Christian Derisaw, nothing against Blake Brandle, but Christian Derisaw can be considered a role grader. He's a guy that puts his head down. He can push a guy 5, 15 yards down the field easily. Blake Brandle is not that guy. He's a little bit higher, a little bit more. You know, He's a good pass rusher, I think. His feet, has really good feet, but he can't do that. And so when you think about the run, specifically to the left side of the field, the Vikings are actually pretty good running behind him. Uh, You look at Dalvin Cook in the open field, really good. So why are we running between the tackles so much if it's not there? If you don't feel like your guard, Ed Ingram, or Ezra Cleveland, I think is doing okay, but Ed Ingram is getting enough push, stop running inside zone. Just switch it to outside zone. Switch it to where Dalvin Cook has tackle to the edge, and he has tackle to the edge on the other side. He has a full cutback. If you watch the Gophers and Mo Ibram, it's the same thing. They run middle zone, and then they run uh, they call it mid-zone, which means I'm looking at the middle, but I know my cutback and then my front side. I Like, Mo can scan tackle to tackle. And if Mo Ibram can do it, Dalvin Cook can do it. And you just call it mid-zone. So, meaning everybody still goes zone block scheme. Take your guys where you're going to take. Dalvin, you read it. This thing can hit. Left Oregon hit all the way backside to the right, and I know every coach knows it. Every offensive coach knows it. Every offensive line coach knows how to run it. It's just a zone scheme. You just tell them like, don't assume your front or backside. Just take your guy in your zone, and you two. D- if you have the double team, you double team tackle. You move it to the second level. You're not seeing that. You're not seeing the true double teams, and then the guy getting. So that's could be communication issues where the guards aren't really doing a great job of talking to the tackles, or the guards aren't doing a great job talking to the center. Something's fundamentally off with that zone run scheme because there's too many guys, like Dalvin Cook said, he's like, man, I thought I was going to have a jump pass and then the guy was in my lap. You know, like there's too many, it's too much of that. It's too much of like, oh, I, I didn't know I was manned up here. I thought I was zoned up here. Like, so whatever that is for the Vikings, I'd say run the ball. I will say run the ball. But the key to that is, you got to know where your strength is. Your strength is Christian Darasol
0: Yeah, Christian Dariusaw. Having him back would be phenomenal. And um, I, I just, I think for me, I think the biggest thing I want to see is we. We heard Ed Donatel talk. We heard his press conference earlier this week about how the defense needs to make improvements. The new standard is what he kept saying. He said we need to basically put a new standard of vikings defense together what would that look like we will see but um, if you haven't listened to his presser or or kevin o'connell's presser you can head on over to vikings.com right now as both of those are on the website and on our youtube channels uh but ron when we when we come back from the break ron i want i want to ask you about this current state of the vikings there's a lot of matchups to watch and uh one in particular that um i'm a little concerned about so I'll, i'll ask you about that when we when we get back from the break Hey Vikings fans, right now you can pick up a commemorative Vikings Cup at US Bank Stadium. Fill it with an ice code Pepsi and you'll be ready for football watching.
2: Spallon Montage is the Twin Cities premier salon and spa destination and proud official hair sponsor of the Minnesota Vikings cheerleaders. With three convenient locations in Edina, Woodbury and Chanhassen, there's a Spalon close to you. Visit online at Spallon.com.
0: We are back. This is the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Pepsi. My name is Gabe Henderson. Across from me is Tatum Everett. To her left is Mr. Ron Johnson from the Vikings Game Day Live and the Ron Johnson Show. And on the ones and twos, as always, it's my guy Eric Davidson from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Also, and Ron, we were talking about some of the upcoming matchups this upcoming Saturday, and um, I'm very concerned about this Justin Jefferson-Stefan Gilmore matchup. And, and I say that because when Justin Jefferson is stationary and he is one-on-one with the press cornerback, cornerbacks, he has problems. Mm-hmm. How do you put J.J. on a good game against this cold defense? Um, That is top 10 when it comes to passing defense in the NFL.
1: Yeah, so if you look at the Kevin O'Connell trend, whenever Justin Jefferson has a bad game, the next game he follows it up with a ridiculous game. And the the problem with this 223-yard game, I hope Kevin O'Connell – Takes the same time, so I know he has a new baby at home. Wife needs to sleep, <laughs> so he's up late with the baby, and he's drawing up plays for JJ. I hope he does that this week. I hope the because it's a loss. It wasn't a win and a 223. So the 223 got overshadowed by the loss. So hopefully, even in his mind, he's still sitting up late at night with the baby, waiting for his wife. You know, waiting for the baby to need food, so he has to wake his wife up to feed her. Uh, for all those that had newborns, you know that you know that routine. But w- when you think about him drawing up plays for Justin Jefferson, the biggest thing is moving him. You can't leave him just in one spot and say he's the X or he's the Z. Uh, you got to put him in the backfield. You got to put him in the slot. You got to you know shift him over and then motion him back. Uh, two things happen there. One, it gives Kirk Cousins opportunity to see what the coverage is because the safeties are going to move, linebackers are going to move. Two, like you said, it doesn't allow Stefan Gilmore to get his hands on him every single time because in the bunch even uh, he might want to jam him. But Justin Jefferson's hips and wiggle. It, it, once he gets a full head of steam, you got to kind of just play soft coverage and, ca- and catch him and then run with him. So uh, I'd say you have to move him. You cannot just leave him there expecting him because he is dominant. Yeah. But you can't just leave him there because now the safety can stay too and he kind of gives it away.
2: I want to talk a little bit more about the defense because I know that that's something that's just been of hot debate this week, especially I know we touched on it a little bit in the first half of the show, but um, you know Ed Donatel saying that it's more execution than scheme. In coaches speak, you know, that's a little bit of a coach speak answer for those who may not know the difference, right? Mm -hmm. So can you, in layman's terms, break down what the issue is with the defense that Ed Donatel is kind of talking about there.
1: So, I mean, it's a Vikings podcast, so I won't say exactly what I think Ed Donatel is trying to say. <laughs> uh, basically what Ed Donatel is saying, if I tell a guy to be at seven yards, maybe he's at eight or nine. Uh, some people are like, oh, that's that doesn't make a big difference. It does. If you think about Cam Dantzler last year against the Lions, and, and I think Mike Zimmer called probably cover four uh, heels to the line. You know, uh, I don't know whatever they call it, but basically put your heels on the, on the goal line, stay there don't move because if he gets behind you that's a tough throw that's a 10 you know you have 10 yards to catch up from a ball that's traveling 40 yards and for all the uh physics guys out there you can figure out what that time and distance <laughs> and if a plane travels mm-hmm. left and right how, how far can it go east um cam dancer backs up to the end zone got throws it right to the goal line touchdown and that's where the what are you doing cam dancer probably came from from
0: PA that in uh, the Seahawks game in right the Seahawks there. game yeah. too
1: with uh yeah i forgot dk but if you if you think about that, that's some of the probably things that Dontelle is saying. Is like, man, I'm calling this like Josh Metellus, the the touchdown on DJ uh, Chark. Josh Metellus came down into the box a little too soon, which told the quarterback right away a single high, single high. I know I'm going with the go route, the go route. I'm gonna take Dantzler and Chark. Like he probably already had that in his mind. If Josh Metellus stays back maybe a little bit longer and just hauls butt down at the like Harrison Smith does, we see it a ton. He doesn't know it's cover two until after the snap, or sorry, cover one or or three or whatever until after the snap. So you think it, like, I can't really go there because there's there's two safeties, so I can't throw the out route because that safety's over the top, or the go route because he's over the top. Well, that's the things you, like he's probably saying. Like, man, I'm telling these guys to do this, and they're not doing it. Or I'm telling the guys to line up here, and they're not doing it. Uh, he can't really throw them under the bus. But I'm guessing, I mean, honestly, I don't think a coach would say it if it wasn't happening. Uh, probably not happening at the clip we think. you know, And it's probably not happening at the clip he thinks. But he just knows there were some key plays that this happened. The guy wasn't where he was supposed to be. So if he where he, if he was where he's supposed to be, then maybe this would. Like, same thing, if, if we have rush lanes. If you're supposed to rush and stay outside, keep the guy in the pocket, and all of a sudden you get greedy and go in because you want the sack, boom quarterback rolls out, he's like, dude, that's not what we taught you. What are you doing? Um he's not gonna call a guy out specifically. He's sure. not gonna call a playoff specifically, but I, I think that's what he's basically saying. Is like, look, I'm I'm calling it the way I think it should be called. I'm telling the guys where to be. We coached them up. Uh, and they're not doing it right. Now, there's one thing I will say, though. Glenn Mason on KFAN, on my show as well, told a story about Woody Hayes, old uh, Ohio State coach. You've probably seen the stories of choking a coach on the sideline uh, for not doing the right thing. And Glenn Mason said, like, a thousand times I told a guy to do something, a thousand times I told him to do something coach, and he still didn't get it right. And Woody Hayes said, well, you're a bad coach. If you told a guy a thousand times to do something and he can't get it right, you're of the problem. So P.J. Fleck always says that. I have a bunch of sixth graders. How do I teach them how to learn? <laughs> and that's how he treats his team because he was a sixth grade, I think, social studies teacher. You have to find a way to get every guy to learn. You can't teach the whole team on a board. You sometimes have to go one-on-one with your players, and that's why coaches have to stay late because it's like, look, I got this guy this time. You get paid millions of dollars to do this, so – Meet with each guy. Make sure you figure out how – some guys might be dyslexic. I mean, we don't – like, you never know until you ask a player. And
0: that's the key. You have to teach every player
1: differently the way they learn. And sometimes coaches forget that.
0: Ron, uh, we don't want to make this thing a Saturday special uh, for the Colts <laughs> on, on Saturday. But um, let, let's say the Vikings do win, right? Yep. And. They secure that second spot, you know, at least for another week. Mm-hmm. When you start looking at the playoff, how the NFC is shaking out? What's the best case scenario for the Vikings?
1: Ah, uh, so best case scenario right now. I mean, honestly, you get Seattle, you can get the Washington Commanders. I wouldn't mind the Lions again. Absolutely. Like I wouldn't mind the Lions coming back for a revenge game. Vikings get to beat them one last time to go on. Um, Lions having to travel to US Bank Stadium. Uh, that'd be good for the city of Detroit. Personally, for me, but I, I, I'd say any of those scenarios, honestly. This is the thing you know about the playoffs. You just need a chip in a chair. So I, I feel like Kirk Cousins is, is on a, a tear that he's not getting credit for because Justin Jefferson is a big part of it. Uh, people don't trust him. But I'd say any of those teams right now, they okay. take the one – honestly, the one you probably don't want, which won't happen because NFC South sucks – is like the Buccaneers dropping a seven, but I don't see it happening because no. if they drop, they're out. Like whoever wins from NC is in, you know, South and the other ones are out. So and the only reason I say it is because Tom Brady, you just don't ever want to give him a chance. Like, he's he's too good yeah. to give him any type of chance.
2: Well and you think about the way that the defense is allowing passing yards right now or just total <laughs> yards in general, that just seems like a scary, scary thing. Um I do wanna mention though, Ron, that we have The Fox 9 game day live Mm -hmm. Saturday morning for all of the viewers who. May expect to see it on Sunday, but it'll be Saturday morning at nine thirty. Nine
1: thirty to eleven on Fox. Nine thirty to eleven. Yep.
2: Thanks for making the adjustment for all of us so we can get our pregame show in.
1: (laughs) We gotta have the special. Who's who's your interview this week? The
2: interview this week is with Justin Jefferson. Oh, I know. And they're giving me a little extra time, so it's gonna be a. So
1: I can go get some coffee. You could get some coffee, take a lap (laughs) around U.S. Bank Stadium. No, no, it's not that
2: long. But yeah, excited to talk to him after his game. Okay. Um, just a really refreshing, cool guy and. Uh, this one, you know, the the people over here at VEN, the Christian Rangel and Will Sheedy, Avni Gill, they just killed it with the, uh, the shooting editing. and the editing. Okay, yeah. So it should Looking be a fun one. So, yeah, 9.30 Saturday morning.
0: Got it. 9.30. It's usually about the 10, 15 mark or something it like that. It usually is. Yeah. Wow, yeah.
2: you pay attention.
0: Well, up and forward is where this Vikings team wants to look. And right in front of us is this NFC North division clinching title on Saturday. Against the Indianapolis Colts, Ron, as always, I appreciate you joining us. No, thank you. Uh, for, for more Ron Johnson, the things that did not make this show, or the things that he said would not make this show, just go on over to the Ron Johnson Show. it'll uh, probably on YouTube as we speak. It's probably on YouTube right now as we speak on a, a Friday. <laughs> this is uh, Friday night, so. Um, make sure you check that out, Ron.
1: Appreciate. Yeah, gonna have you. a little behind the uh, what do we call it behind enemy lines with uh, one of the coaches for the coach. That's Cato. pretty cool. nice. I like that. So nice. Yeah, he's gonna give us a little insight to just being a coach with Jeff Saturday, being a former teammate of Jeff Saturday, nice. and uh, how is that is playing for your teammate? Because I've heard you've heard coaches argue like, how do you argue with the, your boss, but then also your former teammate?
0: Like, dude, screw you. We're yeah. running cover two. Like, shut up. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what he says. Well, you just go to the general manager. (laughs) Remove yourself from it. But, uh, Ron, as always, I appreciate you. For Tatum Everett, Eric Daverson, and again, Ron Johnson. My name is Gabe Henderson. See you guys on Saturday.